the Jeep Talk Show. Now, two episodes a week. What? Two episodes? Okay. Yes, that's right. Two. Are you excited? I'm always excited when it comes out on Friday. It's actually a go-to podcast that I can actually listen to while I'm getting over to work or on my way home. New episodes every Friday and early Monday morning and time for your commute. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. Hey, the JTS team is here to inform and entertain you uh, while we talk about Jeeps. If you're new to the Jeep world or thinking about jumping in and getting your feet dirty, you're in the right place. Whether you're interested in having your unique off-road vehicle ready to hit the trails or that daily driver that is also a weekend warrior, this show is for you. Find out more information about the Jeep Talk Show at jeeptalkshow.com. Hey, I'm Josh, and on this episode of the Jeep Talk Show, we'll learn why it costs as much as it does to insure your Jeep. And Jeep is about to embark on creating the fourth generation of their issue-laden 8-speed transmission. Gee, what could go wrong? And unfortunately, Tech Talk will be skipped this week. We'll find it back in episode 523. Howdy, it's Wendy. And hopefully you have checked out Newbie Nuggets on our Friday episodes. There's lots of information and topics that I talk about for the newest Jeepers. Hey everyone, I'm Jeep Mama. And coming up on Jeep Life, a little history lesson for you. Hi, I'm Tony, and after three years, I finally interviewed a bead balancing company that a listener requested of me in person. Sorry, Bobby. (laughs) I should be damn it, right? Damn it, Bobby? Yeah, Uh, damn it. I'll be talking to Simon of counteractbalancing.com. Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And this week, it's actually kind of breaking news. Stellantis announced today that it will be spending $229 million to retool three of its Indiana plans to produce a new transmission that could eventually appear in electrified Jeep, Ram, Dodge, and Chrysler vehicles. The announcement represents an early piece of the company's planned $35 billion, that's billion with an M, global investment in electrification and software through 2025. The company has said it's targeting more than 70% of its sales in Europe and 40% of its total sales in the United States to be low-emission vehicles by the year 2020 or year 2030, rather. At the company's Kokomo transmission plant, I really want to start singing Kokomo. I know, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> the investment would retain 662 jobs. That's pretty good. The retooling at the Kokomo Transmission, Kokomo Casting, and Indiana Transmission Plants will allow the company to build a fourth-generation, eight-speed transmission. The all-new transmission will offer flexibility because it can be paired with internal combustion engines as well as mild hybrid and even plug-in hybrid propulsion systems. According to the early research, the new transmission would deliver improved fuel economy, provide pure electric range options, and help vehicles meet future emission regulations. Brad Clark, the Stellantis head of powertrain operations, called the news an important stepping stone towards the company's total electrification goals. Those close to the project are calling this new 8-speed transmission the multi-tool of trannies. You know, way back in the day, I was a little drunk and I stepped into the wrong nightclub and saw a multi-tool tranny for the first time. (laughs) things just can't be unseen. But that's not why I called. This is going to be Jeep's most versatile transmission that supposedly can be easily adapted for a variety of applications and vehicle types, allowing Jeep the flexibility to adjust production as consumer demand for electrified vehicles grows over the next decade. Delantis's electrified offerings will be expanding significantly in the coming years, both in the United States and around the world. 
The company plans to launch a plug-in hybrid your Grand Cherokee next year and has said it will have a battery electric Dodge muscle car and even a Ram 1500 pickup by 2024. With all the issues Jeep and its various parent companies have had over the years with the first three generations of its 8-speed transmission, I predict a lot of bugs and a rocky start to this new product. But who knows? Maybe now that Jeep has a different parent company, things will be different. But I, for one, won't be holding my breath. So, Tony, you remember back in, what, 2014, 2015, when the new Cherokee came out, how there was delay after delay after delay because they just could not get the programming right for the uh, first generation of that eight-speed transmission, which at the time, I don't think that the world had seen in a production uh, 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 passenger vehicle more than a six-speed transmission at that time. Yeah, I was a little concerned about getting, uh, being forced to get the automatic transmission for the Gladiator. Uh, my uh, my first choice would have been the uh, manual transmission, but of course, shortly even before ordering the the Gladiator, you had uh, come out with a story about issues with the uh, with the clutch, and uh, right. that, that may have been getting a brand new Cherokee just in time to buy a Centerforce clutch to go in it. So mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, the the Max tow package required the eight speed um, uh, automatic transmission. But then some people had, I think it was some listeners that told me that the eight-speed transmission is is being used in a bunch of luxury vehicles and is a really solid transmission. Have you heard anything about that? I mean, I mean, just because I was told that doesn't mean it's right. Now, what I've heard is that the second and third generations made vast improvements over the first generation, and they fixed a lot of the programming and uh, and issues that the first generation of the eight-speed transmission had. Uh, working out a lot of the drivability issues and, and of course, the ability to uh, reprogram or flash the, the uh, firmware uh, for, that, uh, for that transmission that controls all things like shift points and uh, power distribution, uh, how, how it operates in uh, different drive modes, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot that goes into this 8-speed transmission. And if you look at sort of a cutaway or breakaway of this new generation of 8-speed transmission, it is unlike uh, most automatic transmissions that you've seen. Now, I don't know how many people have seen the inside of an automatic transmission. Uh, there are certain components that are easily and instantly recognizable for, for those who have, uh, are familiar with the components. But this is a whole new beast. Uh, and its flexibility is going to be very interesting as far as can you literally just pull it out of one vehicle and drop it into another uh, if it's the same platform just with a different powertrain, uh, you know, or, or as far as an engine goes. So, uh, I don't know. There, there's some questions um, that I have about it, more from a, just a gearhead standpoint than any kind of a drivability standpoint. But, again, with the issues with the first generation uh, and there being a lot of tweaking with the second and third generation, they're going back to the drawing board now for a fourth generation. I, I, I don't know. I have some reservations as to how they're going to go about it uh, and what's going to come of it. Now, again, this is all being handled by a new parent company. So all the R&D and everything is going to be more or less new, uh, and they are going to be retooling a plant. So there may be even some production upgrades uh, that they uh, made some room for, uh, noting in the first three generations uh, that, hey, there's some room for improvement just in the way that we make these things. Uh, so mm-hmm. there, that alone may end up uh, making all the difference in the world. Again, I don't know. Time's going to tell on this uh, quite a bit, but uh, we're going to start seeing the first of these things here, at least in the next few years. Well, it'll be interesting. I mean, uh, so far the eight-speed uh, in the uh, the Gladiator has been fine. I've only w- noticed one anomaly. If I'm uh, burying the, uh, the the gas pedal to the floor, uh, it'll you know drop down and speed up and get up around five uh, five thousand RPM pretty quick, and I'll I'll you know not I'll stop accelerating fast, and it will stay there at five thousand RPM for a prolonged period of time. 
And then I, I literally. What would you say? Like, like multiple seconds? Or are we talking yeah, just. Yeah, no, know, no multiple seconds. seconds. Oh, wow. And then I have to take my uh, foot off the gas uh, in some occasions to uh, get it to uh, uh, downshift back to around 3,000 RPMs. So it just kind of gets up there around five and hangs there. It doesn't happen a lot. But then again, I, I don't. Uh, I don't put it all the way to the, the floor. I was going to say, you're not wide often. open throttle all the time no, either. I think it's up and uh, moves. So. I'd, I'd almost be uh, say that's worth a phone call into Jeep, uh, maybe into the service manager or something like that, just to see if there's anybody else that has experienced that same issue uh, or if it's a known issue. It could be that, they're, yeah, hey, uh, we know about that. Uh, bring it in. We just need to flash that computer really quick, uh, you know, readjust your shift points or something like that. Maybe there's a sensor that's just not quite firing when it's supposed to, or there's a relay that's kind of sticking or something like that. I don't know. Uh, but with these completely computer-controlled transmissions now, um, uh, the, the, I mean, they're operating under code, uh, not by you know valve pressure and things like that anymore. Uh, so there, there could be some some bugs as far as that goes. Who knows? I, th- uh, I it think it's for- gone into race mode, and it's just like, hey, yeah, I'm going to keep right. it here just, just to be sure. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Don't want you to lose. Oh, that's that's when you put it in the uh, in the R and you step on it. No, that's. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, like I, I like I said, I'm really kind of curious to see what's going to happen with this. Not that I have uh, a dog in the fight, as it were, any skin in the game. Uh, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. And I, I was going to ask how how your eight speed transmission is doing since you've had it, but uh, you kind of beat me to the punch. It's line. it's really weird uh, how it just kind of stays at a uh, uh, a general RPM. It's only those the, like the thing I just described where it steps up. So it's uh, it's kind of neat. Uh, I thought uh, when you started talking about the eight speeds uh, a couple of years ago, I was thinking about my ten speed bike. So I was kind of equating <laughs> it. <laughs> I was kind of equating it to that, you know. So no, the chain's oh, gonna come off for yeah. sure. Oh my god, I'm pedaling like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so here's a name that you guys might not be familiar with. It's called Bankrate, and Bankrate LLC is a consumer financial service company that's based in New York City. Uh, Bankrate, Bankrate.com, perhaps, is its best well-known brand, and it's a personal finance website. Now, according to Bankrate's 2021 study of average automotive insurance premiums, <clears throat> excuse me, the national average cost of car insurance for full coverage is around $1,674 a year, or about $140 a month. Now, still, as we all know, the actual cost will be highly dependent on make and model of the vehicle you're insuring. For instance, a 1989 Volvo 240 would cost substantially less than insuring a 2001 Cadillac Eldorado. So for what it's worth, Bankrate reviewed the annual cost of car insurance for Jeeps to determine how different models impact the amount you pay in premiums. So I thought it'd be kind of interesting here, not that any of us would let that cloud our decision to own or drive a Jeep of one kind or another, but I thought that despite insurance being a very dry subject this would be interesting information if I'm nothing else dry, right as you as you speak for comparison's sake yes no i'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> now i'm i'm not going to go into all the details of just how any one insurance company calculates the rate for any one driver and their vehicle but they're they are all different and they all use a, a risk analysis system that is done on both driver and vehicle now, not only does your driving record come into play, but also the crash rate stats per make and model, as well as price of replacement parts of said vehicle. That was something I didn't really think about before. And, of course, the safety features that come with said vehicle. Now, looking at a comparison of two very different Jeeps, the Wrangler and the Grand Cherokee, the latter costs an average of $1,531 uh, per year to insure with full coverage. For the bare minimum coverage, that price drops down to just $516 a year. That's pretty cheap. But you certainly wouldn't want to get in a wreck or be a victim uh, of theft or vandalism of any kind with that kind of a policy. Now, although the average cost of 
Minimum coverage for the Jeep Wrangler more closely matches that of the Grand Cherokee. Its average rate for, for full coverage is considerably lower. That's also something I wasn't expecting. Now, full coverage for the Jeep Wrangler averages well below both the Jeep Grand Cherokee and the national average, and it comes in at just $1,358 per year. Now, a lot of that likely comes down to replacement cost of parts and the typical availability of them. Now, as we all know, it's not just the driver and the can vary drastically from one insurer to another, and that's why they say it's good to shop your options, at least for insurance, at least once, if not twice a year. USAA and Erie Insurance offer some of the lowest rates for both models, according to the bank rate research, while State Farm came in as one of the highest average rates for insurance. Now, keep in mind, your rates could be higher or lower depending on where you live, driving history and claim history, all that sort of stuff. As we all know, not all Jeeps of the same model are created equal. Jeep insurance costs may be higher or lower depending on the included features of the vehicle. While some features are optional, there are standard features on both Grand Cherokees as well as the Wrangler, which could help keep premiums more manageable. So let's go down a couple of these guys and see if they have them on your vehicle. Premium reducing features would include such things as, well, all those driver assist technologies that I have repeatedly touted as being worse for drivers. The insurance companies, mm -hmm. however, deem them worthy of a safety bonus for you. Wow. Airbags are another one. Yeah. Uh, as is Park Assist, actually. You'd be surprised how many insurance companies, uh, how many insurance claims, rather, are put in every year that involves somebody making a parking error. Pretty simple. But really? again, I <laughs> learn your vehicle, people. Don't rely yeah. on technology to do what you are more than capable of doing should you simply have the desire and the capability to learn how to do. Okay, one Hello. last little bit of common sense for us seasoned drivers, but for those of us who are new drivers, the coverage options you select also cost uh, also affect the cost of your monthly premium, as you could select more coverage to build a more robust policy for you and your Jeep. Now, each state obviously has its own minimum insurance requirements to protect other drivers while driving. However, most financial experts agree you should purchase more insurance than the bare minimum required in your state in order to receive greater financial protection. One option is to pur uh, purchase full coverage instead of only the minimum, Full coverage includes things like comprehensive and collision insurance, which can pay towards your Jeep's physical damage due to a covered accident or other event such as theft. The big takeaway from all this is that there are many factors at play when it comes to calculating insurance premiums for your Jeep, and they all should get some consideration, at least the next time you're shopping for insurance for you and your Jeep. Put the phone down and drive. And if you're not <laughs> having a problem, uh, if your phone's not causing the problem, call an Uber. <laughs> right. You know this. You know what that park assist is. It's I can't be on the TikTok and park at the same time. So let's Ridiculous. get the park assist in here. So so that you know I can get you know get back to what's fun and not something that's a job. It's it's yeah, just it's, this is like the calculators. I don't know if you guys you guys probably aren't old enough. When I was in school, the teachers were like oh calculators are just going to make people stupid. Uh, they're not going to learn yes. math because uh, right. you can do it all with a calculator. Yeah, you couldn't use a calculator in school. Nope, you couldn't. You had to learn by, I, by your I brain. I think those teachers are blown away by, you know, the the one of those uh, graphing calculators now, you know, scientific oh, yeah. calculators. Hey, we're using a calculator know, to do this show. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, really, you look at it. You know, last time I did astrophysics on a calculator, it got kind of messy, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. Of course, if you have a news tip or response to any one of our stories, we'd love to hear what you have to say. Be sure to let us know what you have to say by phone or by email. Any number of ways to reach out to us, just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how.
it was great hearing from people this week from the uh, from the voicemails. We've we've not been getting as many voicemails in the past, so thank you for calling in with your voicemails. And coming up later in the show, we've got an interview with Simon Martin from Counterbalance. This is a company who uh, sells self-balancing beeves to rotationally balance large, hard-to-balance tires. I'm going to say balance one more time just to get it in there. Uh, you need to balance <laughs> it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. That's right. The Jeep Talk Show is part of the 4x4 Radio Network, as is a whole bunch of other off-road 4x4-related podcasts. We've got On a Trail podcast there, Trail Chasers, the Center Steer podcast, the 4x4 podcast. Of course, the Jeep Talk Show is there. Dang right we are. Lots of great off-road shows. They're all for free, too. All you got to do is go to 4x4radionetwork.com. That's number four, letter X, number four, radionetwork.com. 4x4radionetwork.com. We'll see you there. Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? I love the show. I've listened to you guys for free for how many years now, and I figured I'd time to give back. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. It'll just uh, help help the show out, and, and then in the end, it'll be Jeep Talk Show in my ear holes, you know? Just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. It'd be nice to give back to uh, so that you guys can continue on, because if they love the show, then why shouldn't you, why shouldn't you give back just a little from the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. I just caught last week's show where you talked about the woman that, uh, how, how can I say this uh, in a classy kind of way? Uh, about the woman who was buffing the muffin in the back of a Jeep. Kind of reminds me of uh, Nikki G's younger years. Uh-oh. You're all familiar hey, with the Mile High Club. Well, back in yeah. back in the day, we used to refer to doing it in a car as the High Mileage Club. And I got to say, Nikki G logged quite a few flight hours at the High oh. Mileage Club. Jeez. Most of them solo hours. I'm <laughs> yeah. no, just kidding. All of it was solo hours. And my hat goes off to the woman. For lasting 10 minutes. Because what? Because if that was me, Nikki G would have been in and out of that Jeep before anybody even noticed. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. But that's not why I'm calling. I'm calling to tell you that animal control, those bastards, knocked on my door and accused Sir Craps a lot of chasing kids on bikes. Which is absolutely absurd and ridiculous. Not only does Sir Craps a lot not own a bike, I'm pretty sure he doesn't know how to ride it either. Right. All right, boys and girls, I'll chat at you later. You have a good one. Bye. The things that dog must have seen. So it's amazing he hasn't run away. <laughs> and their sense of smell is like, what, 3,000 times better than ours? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Alrighty, ho, boys and girls. It's time for another Jeep Talk Show interview. And tonight we're going to be talking with Simon. Simon has been working with Counteract Balancing Beads for seven years. He is the National Sales Manager for Counteract, overseeing the United States and Canadian markets. As much as he is a fan of Jeeps and large tires, he is a motorcycle fanatic and is very passionate about his motorcycles. 
Simon attends uh, SEMA every year and will be there again this year at the Counteract booth. Counteract is a family-owned run business based in Ontario, Canada, with manufacturing and distribution across the globe for the respected markets. Simon would like to have a Jeep Gladiator in the stable one of these days, as he thinks they are one of the most unique vehicles on the road. You can find out more about Counteract and their products at counteractbalancing.com. That's counteractbalancing.com. So, man, other than it being just a mouthful to say, it sounds like it's a great thing uh, to put in your tire, Simon. Thank you very much for being with us tonight. And uh, I don't know that everybody understands what we're talking about tonight. Tell us tell us what counteractbalancing.com does. Oh, well, Counteract Balancing, uh, what it is, it's, uh, it's, it's typically referred to as an IBA. And what IBA stands for is an internal balancing agent. So, um, you know, everyone, whether it's a car, Jeep, or any sort of vehicle, typically when you're getting tires put on, they put them on a spin balancing machine, they spin them, and they add wheel weights. Now, the purpose of the wheel weights is to counteract, so to speak, the imbalances within that tire and wheel. Uh, but what we manufacture is a micro-tempered glass bead, and they come in various different sizes, uh, from one ounce all the way up to 20-ounce bags. And depending on your tire size, you have a specific weight discharge that you're going to place inside the tire as it's being mounted. So you're going to skip the entire balancing machine process. And the nice thing about it is once you place this bag inside the tire, you seal up the tire and you begin to drive, uh, centrifugal force will take over, which actually breaks the bag, and the beads will disperse around the inside of the tire. So the faster and the faster you go, there's multiple heavy spots on the tire. They're going to begin pulling on the suspension in multiple different directions. And then that creates the inertia, which actually positions the beads around the inside of the tire to balance not only the rim and tire, but everything that's rotating on the wheel assembly. Uh, So essentially, they're little micro glass beads, and they're a wonder cure for tires. They can balance everything that's rotating on that wheel end. Now, am I correct in my assumption? I think I read this someplace that uh, 18-wheel drivers uh, use this uh, quite often for to balance their uh, they're really, really big tires uh, so that they can get a smoother ride on the road. And I would imagine if you were hauling eggs, you could wind up with scrambled eggs if you didn't have a good balanced tire. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly true. Uh, commercial trucking, semi-trucks, that's our that's our bread and butter, so to speak. Uh, that's where we've been for the last 26 years or so. Um, and that's actually uh, the initial market that we got into. Now, obviously, um, you know, the off-road market with these big, heavy tires, 35-inch, 37-inch tires... Um, everyone wants to put them on their Jeep uh, or their lifted truck, and they expect to go, you know, 80, 90 miles an hour down a highway. Um, now, the issue is out there is a lot of the times tire shops or different uh, companies, for uh, for example, aren't able to actually balance those tires. Uh, so in many cases, they need to have special equipment um, or get special adapters for that equipment to balance them with wheel weights. Uh, so this is a much better alternative, a much cheaper alternative, and it's going to provide a better balance. Uh, for those tires. So we we tap into the utility trailer market, uh, commercial trucking, off-road market, and the power sports industry. So motorcycles, ATVs, side-by-sides, and those are our our, our main markets that we go after. So are these commonly used in Jeeps now? Uh, And and I ask these questions because I've never used these things before. I've heard about them, uh, but I've always been concerned at at, at how well they uh, they actually work. But are they are they heavily used in uh, in Jeep the uh, the larger tires of Jeeps? Yeah, absolutely. I would say actually the Jeep specifically is probably one of our main uh, our main vehicles when it comes to the off road market. I mean, there's tons of those on the road. 
Um, and typically most people that end up getting a Jeep want to add bigger tires. Uh, so when they add those bigger tires, obviously it changes the ergonomics and the dynamics of the vehicle. Um, and this is by far probably the best means uh, to balance those tires, especially if they're going off-road and they go back on-road. Those tires, they change drastically when they pick up mud, snow, rocks, what have you. Uh, it's going to create a vibration. It's going to create an imbalance. So they're constantly changing. And the nice thing about having the beads inside the tire is they will change with that tire. So wheel weights, for example, they're stationary. Once they're placed on the rim, they don't have the ability to readjust and change their location um, as they need to, whereas the beads will constantly migrate and shift to counteract whatever imbalances that wheel is experiencing. So even if you get a stone in the tread, that's going to add weight, which is going to create a vibration, typically more at a highway speed, and the beads will counteract that to keep the whole wheel balanced. So I would assume that uh, you have to be going a certain speed or the the, the tire has to be a certain uh, a revolution speed before the, the beads get balanced out or what, what uh, and I'm assuming, so how does that, that actually work? Does it start balancing immediately on the tire spinning or is there a time period that you may notice the, uh, the tire not being in balance? Yeah, well, I mean, typically you don't notice a tire imbalance until uh, you get closer to a highway speed. Uh, if you're at slower speeds, say, you know, 20, 30, 40 miles an hour, it uh, doesn't mean that a tire imbalance is not there, uh, but you might, might not feel it. So typically, you know, if you have an imbalance, uh, if your steering wheel is shaking, uh, that's typically associated with the front tires. Uh, if you feel any sort of vibration or shaking coming through the seat or the cab of the vehicle, that's typically associated with the rear tires. Um, and again, that becomes most present at a highway speed. Uh, once you initially put the product inside the tire, um, the bag will break within the first 30 or 40 miles or so. And once that bag breaks, you know, typically once you get up to about 30 miles an hour, the beads will start to find their location. And then once you get up to a highway speed, they've fully found uh, that area they need to be at least resistance inside the tire. So they will balance everything out. Uh, now, we do have a uniqueness with our product that once it finds its area inside the tire, it's able to stabilize. Uh, so at slower speeds, it's not going to just be falling down to the bottom and having to rebalance itself every single time you start uh, moving and stopping. Okay, that was uh, my next question was going to be, does it sound like you're uh, uh, driving with four maracas as you're going over the rocks? You know, that type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, we get that we get that question all the time. People always ask, you know, can, can I hear the beats? Um, if I'm driving slowly, can I hear them sloshing around inside the tire or anything like that? And that, that's not the case. Uh, we don't typically suffer any sort of those issues. I mean, if you were to jack up the vehicle and put your ear up to the tire and slowly spin them around, you might hear it um, inside them. But on the road, you certainly don't hear them whatsoever. And, and I would assume that uh, the tire pressure monitoring system, it, it works fine with, with those systems, doesn't damage the, the internal pressure monitor. No, no, it's completely TPMS compatible. Um, you know, it doesn't cause any harm or damage to the sensors whatsoever. Uh, we actually have a guarantee that if our product ever did harm or damage a sensor within the tire, and I can tell you in over 30 million applications, it never has, uh, it's, it's, we'll, we'll replace that sensor for free. Um, but again, it's not going to harm that. The only time you want to be careful with sensors is uh, when you're injecting the product. So you have the ability to actually install the product through the valve stem. Now, if you do have oh, TPMS wow. sensors there, that's nice. Yeah, if you do have TPM, yeah, if you do have TPMS sensors, we don't necessarily um, recommend injecting it through the valve stem just because there's so many different styles of sensors out there. Right. So some allow injection, some don't. Um, so you know, in that case, if you don't have TPMS or even some rims um, actually have two valves on them, uh, one will hold its sensor and one won't. 
and then you can inject right through that. So when you say uh, bags, uh, the, the that would require if you if you're putting it in through the bag, that would require you break the bead, uh, and uh, I guess the bag would be uh, stuffed in through that opening, and then you uh, reseat the bead and then go about your way. Now, and, and also too, I would assume you'd want to pull the weights off at that time as well. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, there is no need for wheel weights um, as a whole. Uh, so the bags, like I said before, they do come in pre-weighted, uh, measurements. So most, uh, Jeep, I guess you could say would fall within the six to 14 ounce range, which I know sounds like a big range, but that would uh, be determined on the tire size, which, uh, on our website. And, uh, we actually do have an app for Android and Apple phones, uh, with a calculator on it. You can simply just find your tire size. Uh, the bags are color coordinated for what you need and you simply get that bag and you can place it inside the tire. Most people end up installing the product on a new tire install where the tire is already off the rim. But um, as you were describing, if the tire is already on, you may have to break the bead or as described before, if there's no sensor, you can install it through the valve stem. Right. So uh, this is really cool. Um, it, it, it sounds like, uh, well, obviously you guys have been doing this for a while. So uh, you've, uh, you've gone through these things, thought it through and gone through these things with a lot of people, I'm sure. Uh, is there any uh, a tire size too small? I mean, if you wanted to, uh, could you put this in stock tires that come with a Jeep? Yeah, well, I mean, we typically focus on anything that presents like a half-ton suspension and up. Uh, really, the only markets that we shy away from is the small passenger car market. And the reason being is the suspension dynamics. So typically what we see in those types of vehicles is uh, the front suspension in some cases can be too soft. And it can create a false vibration for the beads, so they can't necessarily find their position as fast as they need to. Uh, so in the passenger car market, we only have a 75% success rate, which sounds pretty good. But, you know, that 25% is a lot of phone calls. Uh, so that's, <laughs> that's why we the, recommend it. That's the vocal, vocal minority, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so it works It works wonderful in Jeeps. Um, any sort of large SUV, you know, F-150 um, typically vehicles like that and upwards, but I would shy away from something such as a, a Honda Civic. Um, I guess the simplest way to describe it is anything with a stiff, rigid suspension. Right. So, uh, well, this is, uh, this is really cool. And, uh, I just recently, uh, got some, uh, some Nexon, uh, 35 inch tires, uh, for my Gladiator and, uh, the, the tires were free, uh, to me, but not having them mounted and balanced. And it, it was like 250, 260 bucks. So uh, I really like the idea of not having to go and wait in line and, and have uh, tires mounted and balanced. And this sounds like this would be an excellent way. I mean, you may need, had a, may need a couple little tools to, and some soapy water to get the tires on the rims, but it sounds like this would be really a great at-home uh, uh, way of balancing your, your tires and wheels together. So it's, uh, it's a very exciting thing. Now, looping back to breaking the bead, that happens occasionally on the trail if you're running uh, too low in air pressure. Uh, if you were to break a bead, is it likely that you would spill some of the glass beads that were uh, part of the, the counteract balancing system out? And if, if so, how would you handle that? Yeah, I would assume you would just have to drive on it the way it is until you could get back and, and add a bag. Yeah, well, I mean, typically, I mean, even if you remove a valve core, for example, or deflate the tire, the beads don't typically have an issue with coming out. Um, I mean, if you if you obviously blew a tire pretty bad and, and shredded it, you know, there is a possibility that the beads could come out. But uh, 
you know, if your bead did pop off the rim and, you know, if you had to drive a little bit, the bead should stay within that tire. But obviously, if you can see the tire back onto the rim, that would be ideal. Um, in many cases, you know, some people will keep an extra bag or so within uh, within their vehicle. And if they do that, then, you know, they can always add a little bit extra if they needed to. But typically, it's not really a concern that we have. Um, the only thing, if that situation did arise, we would just tell people, you know, before you seat the uh, tire bead back onto the rim, just you know, do a quick look and make sure that none of the beads are sitting on that tire bead because oh, yeah. uh, one of the downsides is, is if you did get the bead, the counteract beads on there, it could create an air leak. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah. Uh, these are these beads are made of glass. Um, how long do they last? I would assume they do have some fr- like some fr- friction grinding going on between them. Does it? Is this something that you have to? replace after a certain amount of time or a certain number of miles? Well, the beads are actually made from a recycled tempered glass. We actually remanufacture uh, glass um, into these little micro beads, and then we actually seal them uh, with proprietary coating and then apply coating so that they, they actually repel and resist moisture inside the tire. Uh, so they are designed, and they can last for the life of the tire, no problem. Uh, you know, we typically recommend putting in a new set if you're getting a new set of tires. However, we do have many customers uh, that do take them out and they do reuse them. Uh, the only issue with that is it's, you know, at that point there's thousands of little beads within your tires, so it's a little hard to collect them. Uh, but the product is inexpensive enough that it makes it worthwhile just to put a new one in. Sure. Now, uh, is this something that, uh, that all tire shops can handle or, uh, have you, in your experiences, there's some people that just don't want to mess with this. I would think that you know, just emptying out a tire might be kind of, uh, uh, an issue for a tire shop? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, most tire shops, uh, I would say, have either heard of this type of product or they have used it. Um, you know, if you're dealing with any of uh, some of the big tire chains, most of these tire chains actually do have this product in stock and do use it frequently. Uh, the techs really like it because they don't have to lift the wheel up, put it on a balancer, <laughs> and go through that entire uh, balancing process. Sure. Because that can take 10, 12, or even 15 minutes a wheel to get that to balance properly, whereas this just takes the time to mount the tire. Uh, now, when it comes to dismounting it, most of the times, these guys will have a shop back around, they just suck it out of the tire really quick, and then they just go on with themselves. Now, I'm sure it, it depends on the, the size tire that you're trying to balance, but can you, uh, if you feel comfortable doing so, can you give us a ballpark idea of what it would cost, uh, maybe per tire or per vehicle, to, to use the, uh, the counteract balancing beads? Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, for example, like a 35-inch uh, mud tire, like a 35, 12, 5, 17, let's say. Uh-huh. Um, if it's a mud tire, it's going to take uh, 14 ounces. If it's an all-terrain style tire, it would take 12 ounces. And a good rule of thumb is you can pretty well predict it's going to be about a dollar an ounce or so. Uh, so a 12-ounce bag may cost you $13, $14, where a 14-ounce bag may cost you around $16 or $17 uh, per tire. So that's a pretty good rule of thumb. Um, and yeah, it, it's relatively inexpensive, especially for the extra life uh, that you get out of the tire. The product, the product pretty well pays for itself. Oh, I love the idea of, uh, like getting a rock in between the lugs or especially those folks that live where, uh, where snow wheeling happens, uh, that really causes balance issues when they get, they get a lot of snow impacted, uh, usually in the wheels uh, themselves and, uh, have it self-balancing even full of snow would just be amazing. You just blow and go, so to speak. So that is really great. Yeah, exactly. That's really cheap too. I mean, that's. Uh, I, I would imagine that for eighteen wheel, uh, eighteen wheelers, it's it's more expensive because it's more beads. 
but I, I would imagine that is just insanely expensive to, from what they're used to uh, uh, paying to have it balanced, especially just the, the, the equipment needed to, to have something that big uh, to, to balance those. Hell, I don't even know if, if any of you even balance the tires. They, they may all use beads. I've never driven a truck. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, for the most part, when it comes to the commercial trucking industry, um, believe it or not, most of the fleets don't balance their tires, period. Um, and they get that from a lot of the tire manufacturers. So, you know, the tire manufacturers say that, you know, some of them, I should say, make make a perfectly round tire and it doesn't need to be balanced. And that may be true because the tolerances and the manufacturing specs that they have these days are pretty good. But where it changes is when you mount it to a rim and a hub and a rotating wheel assembly. Oh, yeah. You know, if that's not all centered or that's not all balanced, then there's always a possibility that there's going to be an imbalance. And then that'll decrease the tire life, decrease fuel consumption, or sorry, increase fuel consumption and cause the regular wear and tear on other components as well as the tire itself. Yeah. You know, I don't see a downside to this at all. It, it sounds like it was uh, uh, something that we all should be using for, for years. It's just it it's, it works automatically. Uh, it costs very little to put it in, and uh, if you're uh, if you're so inclined, you can uh, uh, seriously uh, install mount and balance uh, the tires yourself. Well, I can't even say balance it. You mount it, put the bag in, and uh, and, and let the beads balance it. Well, this is really cool. I'm uh, I'm really glad I finally got to talk to somebody about this. And it sounds like uh, lockers. I'm sorry, not lockers. Uh, bead locks, maybe. Uh, uh, a, a real possible thing for for my Jeep in the future. Uh, I just didn't want to ha- get the hassle of having to fight with uh, somebody to to mount those and find somebody that would do it, and then uh, deal with having to uh, get them balanced properly. And you know, tires wear, and that changes the balance over time, or can, or, or can. And uh, this certainly would uh, would handle that balance, uh, over, like you say, over the life of the tire. Uh, it, there's just yeah. there's no downside to it that I can see. No, no, not really. And I mean, um, as you said, I mean, you know, we've proven, and I mean, this is in the commercial trucking industry, but just by balancing a truck tire alone, we've proven at least um, a 30% tire life increase. And that may not sound like, you know, a massive number, but if you're putting in perspective, you know, a six, $700 tire, you know, getting at least 20% or 30% extended life out of it, you know, well, you paid for the product and more. Yeah, that goes right to profit because you're not uh, spending on tires more often. So yeah, it's a that's a great deal. I'm sure we got some truckers listening to us out there. They're probably going, yeah, I've been using beads for years. You, you guys finally catch it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh yeah, no, we got a, we got a lot of very very large fleets out there that do use the product, and uh, like I said, you know, they typically use it in the steer tires, but that's that's where they feel the vibrations and the imbalances through the steering wheel. You know, when you're hauling a thirty. 60,000 pound trailer you don't necessarily feel the vibrations in the trailer and the drive tires uh, but it's there you see it on the tire wear you see it on frame components suspension wear and so on and so forth so but you would recommend doing this to all four tires on a jeep yeah absolutely i mean you know we typically don't recommend the product for say one tire Uh, it kind of works in a in a whole system so it's best to do all the tires um, if you are going to use the product i mean if you're ever in a pinch say you know, you're stranded on the side of the road, you had to use a replacement tire, um, and then you threw beads in, it's going to work. But we do definitely recommend using it in all applications and all tires. Right. And I would assume that you would uh, you would buy five bags in case you had a spare tire and uh, have it put in the fifth bag as well. So if you had to change, uh, change out one of the tires, you would uh, have the beads already in there and ready to go. Yeah, exactly. And then once you mount that tire and begin to drive, 
you know, if you didn't inject them, then that bag will just break and then they'll do their thing. Very, very cool. Well, you know, uh, a little bird told me that you guys have something that you want to give away to uh, one of our listeners. Uh, what uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be some uh, counteract balancing beads. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. No, we would certainly like to give away a, uh, you know, a cure package to um, caller number eight, uh, whoever calls in there. We would like to give them a care package for uh, for whatever their vehicle is, you know, as long as we know what their tire size is, we'll make sure that we give them a care package with the corresponding beads for that application. But we also manufacture wheel cleaning tools, stud cleaning tools, hub cleaning tools. Uh, so we'll make sure that they get a, a plethora of different products that we produce out there to help keep their wheels uh, safe and clean on the road. Oh, very nice. Very nice. And you already picked the uh, the caller number, which is perfect. The only thing we need left is uh, we got we have to make them work for it. You know, calling in is anybody can uh, can call a number. They have to say a special phrase. Do you have have something in mind that they have to say? And, and guys, you got to say this exactly. So listen up. I would say get balanced. <laughs> that's what that would be with the phrase that is, you know, we know how important it is to balance tires. And, you know, especially in the amount of money that people put into their Jeeps. Uh, and their vehicles, you know, you want to make sure that you get the most out of it. All right. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong on the of this, Simon. Uh, you got to be caller number eight. And the phrase that you got to provide on the, the call, you can say anything you want to say, but you got to say get balanced as part of the call. And remember, you only get one chance. Yep, exactly. Exactly. That That sounds perfect to me. You must be 18 years of age or older. Your mailing address must be in the continental United States. You may only call in once per giveaway. Any required word or phrase must be said exactly and completely the first time. Your call must include your caller ID. One chance to win per individual per giveaway. All these rules must be followed unless otherwise stated. Failure to follow these rules will disqualify you from being eligible for the giveaway. We will contact you with a text message at the number you called from. Good luck, Jeeper. All right, Simon, I appreciate it. Now, tell the kids, you know how the kids are with social media, tell the kids how they can uh, get more information. We've already mentioned the website, counteractbalancing.com. Uh, are, are you guys on social media? Do you do the Instagram, maybe the uh, the TikTok, uh, any of those things? Yeah, so we do have an Instagram account, uh, which is also just Counteract Balancing. Uh, along with our Facebook, uh, we have that, which is also Counteract Balancing. And we actually just recently did come on TikTok. So uh, we just started doing the TikTok thing, uh, mainly because we had someone using our tools and it went kind of viral, the video. So uh, we decided we would hop on, get some presence there. But all the social medias out there, we are certainly on. That's excellent. Yeah, I like uh, I like saying the TikTok. It makes me sound like uh, I'm old and not hip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I didn't even really know what TikTok was until this happened. So Yeah, we just recently got on ourselves. It's been a lot of fun uh, watching the, the crazy people. It's a lot of, uh, if you remember the old Mad TV where Stuart would say, look what I can do. It's a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly a good way to describe it. <laughs> All right, Simon, I really appreciate you taking the time, and uh, I'm glad that you uh, responded to our request to be on the show. And uh, this is a great product. I'm going to have to use this. Uh, I, I just now, now i got to save up and start collecting some of those aluminum cans so I can uh, afford some beadlocks. But uh, this is a perfect yeah. situation for beadlocks. You can do this stuff at home, people, and balance your tires at home, your tires, wheels at home. So this is this is so great. Simon, thank you again uh, so much for being with us. And uh, we'll, we'll have to get you on uh, ever so often to remind people about these uh, uh, counteract balancing beads uh, for their tires and wheels. Oh, absolutely. I certainly appreciate it. It was a pleasure, and uh, I'd be happy to be on again at any time. 
Well, big thanks out to Simon Martin for coming on the show to talk about counterbalance and their self-balancing tire beads, how they work for us Jeepers and stuff. I didn't know that, you know, that kind of stuff is used in semi-truck tires and, and you know, the big stuff like that. I never would have thought that that's, this product is, is all over U.S. highways. Who, who would have thunk? Well, if you have an idea for a guest or maybe you work in the off-road industry yourself, maybe you know somebody who does. Maybe you, you yourself would just like to be a guest here on the Jeep Talk Show. We're always talking about how everybody has a Jeep story. We'd like to hear yours. Go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now and share your idea for our next great guest. It could be you. Are you living the Jeep life? From mall crawlers to weekend warriors, from daily drivers to weekend wheelers, it's all about the Jeep life, and it's all good. It's time for Jeep Life with Jeep Mama. Hi, Tony, Josh, and Wendy. A little history lesson today. In the spring of 1880, a direct supply and access road connecting southwestern and southeastern Utah was completed, known as the Hole in the Rock Trail. Its direct penetration through the Colorado River Gorge and surrounding topography shortened distances over alternate routes by up to hundreds of miles. Built by Mormon pioneers, answering a mission call to colonize the southeastern section of the territory. The trail provided a crucial link for one year before the most rugged stretches were bypassed with the opening of Hall's Crossing. The mission, which resulted in the trail's construction, was initiated by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to secure peaceful relations with the Indians and to open the area to further colonization. After four months of exploring for a feasible route to their intended destination, the pioneers selected a direct route from Escalante. Although it was the least explored of all possible routes, it was by far the shortest. As winter approached at the end of November 1879, 250 men, women, and children with 80 wagons and 1,000 head of cattle found themselves up against a terribly broken, seemingly impassable terrain. The settlers had been en route for more than two weeks when they reached the 12,000-foot deep Colorado River Gorge, 65 miles southeast of Escalante. For six weeks, the men labored on, way, on a wagon road down the sandstone cliffs to the Colorado River, built by chiseling and blasting a path through the steep crevice named Hole in the Rock. Their road stands today as a testament of pioneer ingenuity and determination. Construction consisted of cutting away a 40-foot drop off of the top of the crevice, moving huge boulders, leveling high spots, filling depressions, and widening crevice walls. To avoid the steep grades near the bottom of the hill in the rock, the pioneers tacked their road onto the face of the north wall of the crevice. The tacked-on road was supported by oak stakes secured into holes drilled into the crevice wall at two-foot intervals. After driving their wagons through Hole in the Rock and ferrying across a 300-foot wide river, the immigrants proceeded out west of the River Gorge. On April 6, 1880, after another 10 weeks of grueling labor and harsh winter conditions, the missionaries reached the sandy bottomland along the banks of the San Juan River, where they established Bluff City. The 100 miles of road built after descending the Hole in the Rock crossed some of the most rugged terrain in North America. Deep ravines and washes were crossed, trails down thousand-foot drop-offs blasted, deserts traversed, paths through, through thick, thick cedar forests cut, and steep cliffs ascended. Many grades required seven spans of horses to pull the heavily laden wagons, and the worst stretches could be identified by blood and matted hair from the forelegs of the struggling teams. In all, the trek took six months. Food supplies were depleted, and teams had been worn to the point of exhaustion. 
Two babies were born en route, and miraculously, no one died. The pioneers had toiled under the most trying of circumstances in the harsh land. Most significantly, their ordeal forged them into a self-reliant colony ready for the formidable task of nurturing peace with the Indians, controlling the lawless who sought refuge in the area, irrigating with the unruly San Juan River, and ecking out a living from the sun-baked land. This path is now a Jeep Badge of Honor trail in Utah. Not to be confused with Hole in the Rock Road, Hole in the Rock Trail is a long, slick rock trail beginning near Highway 273, about 13 miles east of Halls Crossing Marina, and ending at the head of Cottonwood Canyon, three miles shy of Lake Powell. With its steep hills, bare sandstone crossings, scenic vistas, and views of natural rock bridges, a dugaway is the most challenging part of the trail. The dugaway leads up to Gray Mesa. The Jeep Badge of Honor rates this trail at a 4-6. to six. To put it in perspective, the Rubicon Trail is 1 to 10. Hell's Revenge is 3 to 6. Our plan is to take this trail on next weekend. It is a long trail, which we will do in two days. Not six months, thank God. Some folks have pushed and done it in 12 hours, but that's during the time when the days are longer. We will be camping at near freezing temperatures out in the middle of nowhere. It's a one way in and one way out. If all goes well, the plan is to head out next Friday and drive to the starting point outside Blanding, Utah. Then the next morning, get up and tackle the trail. Stay tuned for an update on the next episode of the Jeep Talk Show. I say that sounds like an amazing trip. Now, I've known that Utah has a lot of great stuff to offer for us Jeepers, but this is one of those trails that, one, I, I had no idea of the history uh, but two, let alone the difficulty of it uh, and the fact that it's still there today after after all this time. So really cool getting a little bit of perspective on, on something like that. But I'm more uh, interested to hear uh, your you know firsthand recount of this. So uh, this mm-hmm. is going to be really cool. Hopefully we're going to hear back from Tammy uh, with a carnage-free report from uh, Hole in the Rock Trail. Yeah, I, I can't wait to hear it. This is going to be an epic trip for them too, I think. Sounds just like it's going to yeah. be. I've been in that area. I've been, you know, on the motorcycle, we've actually traveled through this area. It's absolutely gorgeous. So I can't wait to hear her perspective on it. I really like the whole one way in and one way out uh, type of trails. It takes you multiple days to navigate and stuff like that. That's why the uh, the Rubicon was a big draw to me. Uh, This is going to be another one that's going to be added to my bucket list. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Well, how does Tammy's life, uh, how does Tammy's Jeep life compare with yours? We're always looking for Jeep stories. So contact us and let us know what your Jeep life is like. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how. And don't forget, folks, it's very easy to sign up for the Jeep Talk Show newsletter. It's the best way to get inside information as to what's going on in the show and how to join in on the recording of each and every episode. Well, at least uh, every other episode. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. You're going to find a link to click and sign up for that newsletter. And don't worry, it's just as easy to unsubscribe as it is to subscribe. Well, that's it for the show for this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure that you have notifications enabled so you don't miss a thing from the Jeep Talk Show. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. Ready? Johnny Johnson joined a jagged Jeep jaunt despite jealous Jenny's jacked-up jelly on her jean jacket. Say that ten times fast. No. <laughs> Podcasting since 2010.